Hey everybody, we received some more great questions about parenting and we are addressing those today. We love receiving questions by the way, so if you have one or more than one, please don't hesitate to ask us. You can leave us a voice message at our podcast page or you can email us support at extraordinaryfamilylife.com. The first question is about teen device usage and sneaky behavior. A parent said, we're having an issue with our son's cell phone usage. We limit it and have always made him turn in his cell phone at night to promote good, healthy habits, but I just discovered he's been hiding an old cracked cell phone that he's been using at night. He's all, he also has apps such as TikTok and Snapchat that we do not allow. I know that the phones and apps are made to be addicting. I just don't know how to approach this issue. I'll be turning off the Wi-Fi at night now, but how do you deal with this sneaking second phones and apps? It indicates to me that he may be addicted to these apps in his phone. I'm curious if you've encountered this before. It's very concerning to us. We will be diving into this question and providing some great strategies for dealing with issues like this. The second question is also very relevant with serious long-term consequences. This parent says, I'd like to request for you and your husband to talk about the sex drive in teenage boys specifically. As a parent, how do you guide them so that they can handle their quote-unquote urges in a healthy manner? How do you educate them so they don't fall prey to the use of pornography? What are the best ways to support them instead of shaming them for having these normal desires? Our society is so full of trashy messages about sex, masturbation, pornography, etc. I honestly worry about what the future of these young men holds. This is a very important question that we're going to be giving some very clear and useful strategies for dealing with. If you have kids, make sure that you listen to this very important episode. This episode has been sponsored by our Extraordinary Parenting Bundle. You don't have to be perfect to be an extraordinary parent. Parenting is a skill that can be learned, practiced, and improved. You can learn and practice how to prevent problems, create peace, and build something extraordinary in your family. Let us show you the habits of successful families that they use to intentionally live and create more order, vision, and joy in their family life. Visit ExtraordinaryFamilyLife.com and click the link at the top for parenting and start today learning simple ways to seriously level up your parenting skills. Good afternoon, everybody, or good morning, or good evening, wherever you are. Good day to you. <laughs> Just good. Welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Family Life Podcast. We are pumped today. I'm, I'm kind of fired up, so... Are you sure? Or are you nervous? No, I'm fired up. <laughs> there might be a rant coming. You know, can oh. you feel it? Can you feel a rant coming sometimes? I can. I've gotten to a point where I'm like... And I mean, I mean, I just feel fired up, and then whatever topic comes up, it's getting a handful. It's getting, I'm going to unload whatever it is. Or, or I get a certain topic, and I'm like, oh, man, that one, you, oh, I got to speak. Like our last bluntly. podcast episode. Oh, I don't remember. About this. sex birds yeah. that are wrong. Yeah, that's right. I got fired up about that, too. Maybe I get fired up about a lot of things. <laughs> Maybe that's the <laughs> problem. Okay, so today we're going to continue with uh, answering some questions. So kind of Q&A sessions. This one has uh, mostly to do with parenting. Mm -hmm. some, some very specific, very relevant parenting um, issues or problems or difficulties. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I hope you're all listening, even if like your kids are little or um, where, wherever you're at, listen carefully because what we're gonna talk about today has fundamental underlying issues that if if done 
Well, we know this. I think everyone knows this, but it's almost like we know it, but we don't know it. Mm-hmm. If you don't do parenting right, it turns into a disaster. You, <laughs> you raise <laughs> a troubled human yes. that goes around spreading trouble. Yeah. And gets married to trouble, and then double trouble creates more trouble, and, and then, holy cow, right. you're dealing with... Lots of trouble. Lots and lots of trouble. <laughs> Which is... We, well, we did a whole coaching session talking about that, how most problems in the world are caused by bad parenting. Yeah. But, yeah, you cause trouble. Well, and what you said a minute ago, too, like, even if you don't have... Teenagers, because some of what we're talking about relates, well, yeah, it relates to teenagers. If you think, oh, that doesn't, I don't need to pay attention to that because that's not relevant to me. I mean, that's a mistake. Don't do that. That's where the problems pop up in teens. I'll I'll, I'll start there boldly. Most of the problems that are happening with teenagers started when they were little kids. Right. And And I'm going to be so bold. (laughs) I love you. If we were together, I'd give you a hug before I say this. But it's on you. Now, there are some exceptions, but the vast majority of problems with kids ultimately is a parenting problem. Yeah, and part of part of this problem comes from that type of thinking where you're like, oh, that doesn't relate to me. I don't need to think about it. You should be thinking about raising teenagers right now yep. from the time your kids are small because... Unless you're blessed to think about it as a teen. (laughs) That's really where you should start thinking about it. Like, how, what kind of parent am I going to be? But, okay, sorry. Well, right, because unless you have this forward-thinking approach, you're, it's like trying, I I don't know if this is the best analogy. It's like straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. Or you're like, you're just dealing with the problem when it shows up, and that's the worst time to deal with the problem. You need to be trying to anticipate problems and prevent and, and prevent problems Man. and be thinking ahead on these things. Like, what am I going to do when my kids are teens? What kind of relationship we are, are we going to have? Because ultimately, the best parenting comes down to great relationships. If yep. you don't have a great relationship with your kid or your teen, it's infinitely harder to parent them. Yep. Um, there's a book called Hold On To Your Kids, and he says... Parenting hacks and tips and tricks don't work because ultimately if your child does not want to, is not open to being parented by you, it doesn't matter what you do or say, they're not going to receive that information. Exactly. The only way they will is if they are actively attaching to you as a person. And well, that's the key, which we talk about all the time and I'm sure will come up again today, the key to influence and impact. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to have any sway in your kid towards good it's ultimately on who you are as a person that relationship you've built and i guess i want to just re-emphasize even before we dive into the specifics here you have to be a forward-facing parent Mm -hmm. and when your kids are little you're thinking about not okay let me let me let me let me say this so it's not (laughs) misunderstood forward-facing but then Present living? Really present action, right? So you take action today, but forward-facing. So what happens with the forward-facing, so you're looking ahead towards their teens and then looking ahead towards when they're adults. So I'm constantly thinking about my kids as adults, but I don't get lost there. I'm not living out in this future and neglecting Mm -hmm. today because then the future will never come. It'll be a disaster and be my fault. But I'm also not just addressing the present Mm -hmm. because then I get, it's easy to get um, disoriented. So 
future facing gives you your orientation. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is where we're going. So focus, not focus, fix your sight on the future and concentrate on today with that being your guiding principle, right? Yeah. What will my kids be like as teens? What will we be like as adults? Now let's get to work today. So I'm really present here, but I've oriented myself instead of like whatever pops up, whatever pops up, and I'm yeah. just constantly dealing with all, all these things that are coming up, fires here and there, and problems here and there, and that's it. And I never we never pick a direction. Well, the, and the way I'm envisioning this in my head while you're speaking is you're focusing on, I wanna have this kind of relationship with my adult child when they grow up and so today I'm going to treat them in a way that would foster that type of future relationship as opposed to I don't even think about that and today my kid is being annoying and spilling milk and screaming and yelling and so I behave in a reactive way that's potentially damaging or most likely damaging that future relationship that you would like to have I yep. guess that's how I'm picturing it yep. one Yes, I love that. One thought on that, because I know I've heard this before where parents will think, well, I want to have a good relationship, so I'm definitely not going to discipline my kids, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I don't want them to not like me. And I'm like, whoa, they will not respect you at right. all. Right, exactly. And so you, parenting's tough, man. It's yeah. complex. Because you have to be able to do both of those things. You do need to discipline. You do need to set boundaries. But you need to do it in a way that's not authoritarian and relationship damaging. So, oh, this is good because in, in teaching, but particularly in discipline and correcting, if, if you don't do it, they won't respect you. If you do it wrong, they won't respect mm -hmm. you. So <laughs> let's just say there's this little spot there where you'll earn respect and everything else is disrespect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true and accurate. Right. It's the narrow like path. How you, yeah, you're right. It's, it, but it's, it's almost like you're on this ridge mm -hmm. and it's, you got real exposure on both sides and you're walking this ridge and you you can't go too far to either side right or you lose respect and once you lose respect man it's hard to get it back if it ever um and and respect is critical if your children do not respect you yeah amen to your influence respect and, and trust yep. one of the reminders i have on my phone every week is you can't have a high-performing family without high levels of trust. If, you, if you're going to have that relationship that you envision, where you respect each other and you're actually friends when you're older, you have to build that trust now with yeah. them. And so you have to be able to discipline and mentor and guide and love in a way that builds trust instead of breaking it down. And you've, you've heard a saying, I will preach it endlessly, Trust is built on character and competence. Mm -hmm. So in every part of your relationship and interaction with your kids, and they are watching. Man, you think they're not watching? You think your littles aren't paying attention? They're <laughs> absorbing everything. We're, we're at a really fun stage right now where we're having, we're having high-level discussions with our teens. Yeah. Thinking our littles are just in the other room playing. Oh, no. They are <laughs> and they come in, in answering the question. Yeah. And you're like... Wow, that was amazing. that was quite insightful. <laughs> but like our eight-year-old right now, she loves engaging our conversations, and she'll say brilliant things. Oh, and she so we're totally going and going and going, and just almost like the littles are in the corner playing their cute little games with each other. And I'm like, oh, they're not hearing this. And the, I don't know where they'll pop up and be like, well, uh, I think it's this. It's and you're like, like this. wow, <laughs> that was so insight. It's so perceptive. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Sage said something like that this morning. It was so funny. Yeah. We were talking about what we were talking about. We were talking about um, oh, if if somebody we were, we were like if Aaliyah, if, if somebody were to threaten Aaliyah, you know, would we would the family kind of stand up and fight for her? And somebody's like, yeah, you know, would would dad would dad fight for Aaliyah to protect her? And Sage, who's eight, just pops up. She's like, um, I think dad would just say. Fight for yourself. <laughs> Defend yourself. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we all started which, laughing. I was like, yes. Which was hilarious. <laughs> now, some people might think, why, why would you do that? Why would you make your 15-year-old daughter fight for yourself? But she was saying it in this context because she's been going to Krav classes yeah. with you. And, and she's, she's been tough. training. And she's yeah. very tough. And so it's kind of this, like, you're tough enough. You can handle this, sister. <laughs> you, you got this one. And, but it was so perceptive of Sage to, to pick up on that. Yeah. She knows that about me. I'm like, hey, fight for yourself, and, and you got it. I'm here yeah. if you need it, but yeah. fight for yourself. And and the little, like she's she's growing up with that reality. Our yeah. little girls are going up like, no, my dad expects me to fend for myself. He'll be there if I need it, but he expects me to mm-hmm. just take up my own battles. And yeah. it's a it's a really cool thing. But but as you're going along, um, make no mistake about it. Your kids are paying attention. They're watching. And so in every aspect of your life, you have to be constantly asking and assessing, do I have character and do I have competence? Mm -hmm. And it's not, I don't think it's all or nothing. Oh, I think it's definitely levels in almost every aspect of life. Like, you know, I have no competence in fixing the car. So I turn to you for that. Like, you don't trust me to fix the car, but... I do have confidence in, you know, doing a website or something. And so you turn to me. No, for that. Turn, right. Yeah. And, and so there's going to be bits and pieces now in that. Right. So I don't, I don't lose any trust with you as a person in our relationship mm-hmm. because you can't fix the car. Right. But if I, if maybe you had a hard time, um, communicating, mm-hmm. maybe you had no competence in sharing your feelings or expressing yourself well, is that going to carry over to other aspects of relationships? Yeah, right. Completely, right? Or honesty. Honesty comes up with character and competence, right? Or, I mean, there's there's other parts that play into it, is, is exactly. what I want to say. And kids will pick up on it. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, mm, I don't know. Yes, they pick up on it in ways that even sometimes adults can't articulate. They yeah. definitely can't articulate it. They don't know, but they just get this sense of like, okay, I get a feeling here of what's going on, right. even though they can never put that into words. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. They, they are so perceptive. Kids, kids are so, per- it's beautiful. You're right. I've seen it. I've observed it when they pick up on something and they can't articulate, they can't say it, and you just see it. They, they sense it and then something's not right. So in a, in a, the biggest way possible you parent who you are so we can give you strategies and you can go out and get tips and tricks and tools and and I see these really popular parenting um, you know experts on on social media or whatever and they're just their, their channels are like endless tips and tricks and strategies and to that, I almost always think, man, you are straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. Because I've been working with families and youth and parents for over two decades. Man, I, I know exactly where that goes if you have 
all the right tips and tricks and strategies without the foundation, mm -hmm. it's just a disaster. Right. I mean, it, it just doesn't end well. Now, on the other side, you can have the foundation, which is awesome and that's pretty solid, but without, you know, the strategy, yeah, it, right. it also it doesn't work. The foundation's it like, yeah, it's there, well. but it just kind of stumbles along and like, man, this is so much harder than it needs to be. Yes. So creating this combination of having this really solid foundation, the chassis, so to speak, that you're going to build your family on, it's you and who you are mm -hmm. as a person, character and competence and trust and which, building that out then adding on top of it the strategy yes so which we're going to touch on both those things in answering these questions today which we haven't gotten to but, but it's but I this know, is the, I know. this is I'm the answer to all our, of it this is our way and yeah. that's fine because people people and they'll reach out and be like what about this specific instance and i was like ah, it's so much more than a specific right. instance we can't say oh for this thing do this right insert this solution right here like unless yeah. we had the whole chassis built out everything's right. in place there's total trust there's impact there's influence there's loving home the dynamics are amazing then it's easy we just say oh yeah do this and they're like okay yeah. and but, it works but we have to make sure that we're, we're trying to com to convey that all of this is required yeah. like we can't just say do this and it will work it will only work if you have this like the you said, whole package the chassis i guess that's yeah. a car thing yeah, it's like the frame, it's the frame I, of the I car the or the trailer or whatever, you build everything else on it. And if, if mm -hmm. that's compromised or the foundation of the house, if that's not solid, then whatever you build on top it is ultimately is going to come exactly. down. So if this sounds like a lot of work, <laughs> parenting ain't for women. Maybe you should give your children back. <laughs> Except that's not an option. So buckle up, exactly. Buttercup. Okay, go ahead. Uh, let's get into the question. Okay, so. The first question is related to device usage, which, which we get a lot of. Obviously, is a challenge in this age of parenting because we are pioneering this. I mean, I know for us, we are the first generation of children of parents to have children who have devices, and they grew up with them. Like our kids now were just born with in a device world they, where you and I in our forties we did not. Oh, great. We were, we grew we were up without into devices. our teens when devices started to become a part of it. Exactly. And we didn't, I don't think we owned our first smartphones till we were married we with married, yeah. four or five kids. Yeah. So, and we yeah. even then we had a clunky one. <laughs> right. We thought it was so awesome. <laughs> but our children don't remember before that time, really. So they've grown up with devices. So as parents, this is a new thing. We're all, everyone's trying to figure this out as we go. So the question is, you know, um, gosh, that just brings back this fun memory. Uh, Rachel and I, we were living in Costa Rica, and the kids were all little, and we got a chance to. We had round trip tickets that came up on an alert for so cheap to go to Peru, and I was like, "Babe, let's go! Like, we'll, we'll take, we'll just fly to Lima just to eat, because you guys, Peruvian food is some of the best food on the planet." So we're like, let's just go eat. We'll just go from restaurant to restaurant. And so we took our kids, but on that no, layover, we didn't take our no, kids. we took one kid. We took we a took baby. We took one child, and we left the rest of them by themselves, by themselves on this on <laughs> with this. our maid and the and hippie labor and, neighbor next door. Yeah. And it was it was odd. it was amazing. Anyways, <laughs> but the reason I brought it up is because when we we had a layover in Panama, and that airport is awesome, 
and we bought an iPad. We bought our first iPad. Yeah, we bought the first iPad, and so we I took it like, home. I was like, "Where is this going?" I'm and and all the little kids, like, we came home and looked, and they're like, "Whoa!" We still have the iPad. We still have that iPad, and and that was this introduction, and then they they've all used it and use it regularly. I think we use iPads every single day for educational purposes, mm-hmm. but that it came in early on, mm-hmm. and Sage was one. She turned one on that trip, and so and now she's eight. Yeah, so she's had the iPad. Yeah. And she still uses it. Still uses it every day. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, a little detour down memory lane. To the question. Um, We're having an issue with our son's cell phone usage, and I'm hoping to get your input. We limit it and have always made him turn in his cell phone at night to promote good, healthy habits. I just discovered he's been hiding an old, cracked cell phone that he has been using at night. He also has apps. There's the problem right there. It's crack. No (laughs) (laughs) crack. Just kidding. Okay. He also has apps such as TikTok and Snapchat that we do not allow. I know that the phones and apps are made to be addicting. I just don't know how to approach this issue. I will be turning the Wi-Fi off at night, but how do you deal with the sneaking, the second phone, and the apps? It indicates to me that he may be addicted to these apps and his iPhone, his phone. I'm curious if you have ever encountered this before. It's very concerning to us. I value your your input. Fantastic. Excellent question. Thanks for asking. Yes. Uh, Very common. Yeah, comes up a uncommon. lot and again the the nature of this question it's asking for very specific things which we'll get into mm-hmm. but the specifics here the tactics the strategies only work if we've built things on this foundation yeah otherwise the strategies can actually backfire so let me oh, well, and me? i want to add that i would say that the strategies and tactics you might use would vary also depending on the age mm-hmm. of the child, which it doesn't say here. I'm assuming it's a teenager, but I would say what you do would do for a teenager, well, even depending on the age, an 18-year-old versus a 13-year-old would yep. be very different. And definitely if this kid is 10 or 11, right. that's a whole nother approach. Yep. And the relationship with that child, mm-hmm. the personality of that child, the life experience and background of that child. The tendencies um, or proclivities yep. of that child. Yep. You know, she says in here, he may be addicted to these. Well, yeah, they are made to be addicting. And any of us could potentially be addicted to the apps and phones. I mean, they are designed to be that way. Yep. But so at a certain age, just quick. Be, well, I just oh, want to say though, being addicted isn't necessarily the issue as much as how you approach that. It's like saying, you know, my kids are addicted to cookies. <laughs> well, yeah, if you put a plate of cookies out there, the cookies are going to get eaten. So and, it's And if you're bothered that the they're kids addicted are eating to cookies, cookies yeah. and you're like, I told them not to eat it and I yelled at them and they got in trouble and then I set out a plate of cookies and they went for them again. It's like, okay, there's a bigger problem. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's a different approach you have to take knowing that there are certain proclivities for certain foods or activities or apps or whatever, which we're going to get into all right. that. But. So let's, I know you've got something you're going to share. I want, I want to back up to a fundamental basis. I love to ask this question. What is the underlying cause of the underlying problem? Mm-hmm. And at, at that level, see, this, this is where the strategies fail of like, oh, we, we have them hand in their phones. And that's a strategy. That's a strategy. And that actually could be a really good strategy, mm-hmm. but it didn't work because the underlying problem 
And the underlying cause of the problem says, well, I'll just figure a way around that strategy. Mm-hmm. So, well, we're going to turn off the Wi-Fi. Well, there's ways around that too. All you got to do is get a cell signal. And what well, we told you not to have those apps, they are forbidden. And boom, they have them anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's, it's like symptom management and trying to force a behavior when there's no um, root inner. desire or cause, no inner compass mm-hmm. for the behavior itself. Right. And so they have to understand that. And I, like, this is critical. You, yes. You have to be constantly teaching your children why. Exactly. Why we do those things. And you're like, well, I did tell them. I'm like, yeah, they don't get it. To know and not to do is really not to know. Mm-hmm. And so it has to be taught at a level where they go, oh, yeah, I don't want that in my life. And I think the, the core issue right here that I just want to drive home so emphatically is I, I think that the best approach to parenting always will be asking the child, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to become? Who do you want to be? What kind of life do you want? What kind of man do you want to be? What kind of woman do you want to be? Who do you want to be? And that question is always on them and can only be on them. I can't force who I want my kids to be on them. They have to choose that. And what's beautiful is like what you're doing is giving them their own power or asking mm-hmm. them to pick it up and use it and say, no, you. this is on you. Well, and tied in with this idea is like you were talking about, finding the underlying cause of the problem is the motivation. If they're sneaking a phone or sneaking apps like TikTok, you need to ask why. Like really get down to why. Why are they doing those things? And it could be, it's likely because it's fulfilling some sort of other need. Maybe they're lonely. Maybe they're feeling left out. Maybe they're bored bored to death. Maybe they're, I mean, it could be a hundred different things, but until you find well, out the real reason that it's happening, you're never actually going to solve the problem. Exactly. Because if you're simply trying to control behavior, you will not do this thing. You will do that thing. I'm going to shut down the Wi-Fi. And I'm not saying that this none of this is helpful. It is. We've done it before where we shut down the Wi-Fi at night. We, have, we still have screen time passcodes for our younger kids specifically, 11 and younger. So it's okay to control things in that way, especially as they're younger and they're developing self-control but ultimately if you simply control behavior especially once they're 15 16 17 18 if you're just controlling behavior for them they're not learning to control themselves exactly so if he's sneaking the apps well that's because he hasn't learned to control himself or he doesn't see or understand why this would be a problem and maybe it's not Maybe that's another thing. Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe you're making a bigger issue out of something that may not be that big of an issue. issue. And so, and again, but the tactics and strategies will only work if those things you're saying have been built in place, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, we want our children to have a a moral compass. It's it's their own guiding decision maker, right? But but that only works. A moral compass only works if it, if they actually have a vision of who they want to be. Right. If they could care less who they want to be, they're like, oh, I don't care. If you've never talked to your kids about this, you haven't exposed them to great human beings, they haven't seen the best movies and the, the best books and the best literature, you haven't been constantly talking about modeling for them and exploring the world, looking for great human beings, if you've never touched on that, and they're like, well, I don't know, it'd be kind of cool to be a professional video gamer 
on YouTube. Those guys are awesome. <laughs> and I have to add this because I think this is key. A lot of parents are like, yeah, I've done that. But they never give their kids the opportunity to practice making their own decisions. And we've literally seen teenagers who, when asked a question, they don't know how to answer it. What kind of music do you like? What kind of movies? What do you like to do? And they don't know how to answer that because their parents have always dictated to them what they listen to, what they watch, what they do. And it's because parents are afraid. They're like, oh, I don't want to expose my kids to things. But if your kids, especially when they're teenagers, aren't allowed to practice what they're watching, what they're listening to, what they're downloading, what they're getting on, they're not developing their own conscience. They're not their developing their own moral compass. It's because underdeveloped. Yeah, you can only develop that by actually making choices. Yeah. And you can only make choices when you're given the opportunity to make a poor choice. If you never have the opportunity to make a poor choice, you never actually get to choose a good choice because someone else is choosing for you. And that's not developing your moral compass muscles. Like me, like doing push-ups for the kids. I got this. This is how you do it. I'll just keep doing the push-ups. I get all the benefit. I'll go to growth. I'm like, kids, this is exactly how you do it. So, right. you know, when you're ready. Watch me do the push-ups. Uh, watch me do them. Watch me do them. And I'm doing it. I'm like, no, 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 you don't do it. I got this. I got this. And so I keep getting all the benefits, but that's that's ultimately what's it. I, I get the benefits. And so if, if, if they're my rules, it's not the kids' rules. And as soon as you are gone, as soon as they're right. at their friend's house, as soon as they move out, as soon as you go on vacation, as soon as you are gone, they're going to go back to their default rules. Exactly. And if they haven't established a, a really highly developed moral compass and some standards, then they're going to... Well, it's the, it's the it, quote from Archilochus. We don't rise to the level of expectations. We follow the level of training. Yes. Well, you're like, well, I've trained them. No, you've implemented your laws, your rules, your standards. And as soon as you're not around, they go back to their standards. Which they have not developed because and, they haven't given the chance so, to develop them. Yeah. So in many ways, yeah, you've told them. they've Maybe you've taken them to church and they've heard the church sermon and the preacher or whatever. And they've, they've been through all the things so many times. Until it becomes Haven't their truth. Haven't you noticed how many youth hear those things incessantly and as soon as they have the opportunity, jump off the cliff? Exactly. It's because it's not theirs. It's not theirs. So in a situation like this, <clears throat> one of the reasons that he's sneaking the phone and the apps is because it hasn't been his decision to not do those things. He hasn't decided. He has no belief, reason, understanding why TikTok or Snapchat might be a bad thing. Now, I the other throw this hand in is... Here. Can you remember what you're going to say? Because I got to throw this in here. Sorry. Some kids are pretty astute, and they know how to tell you what you want them to say. Mm-hmm. So you're like, no, no, no. I, I ask him, and he gives me an answer. And they learn this relationship with you. It's like dynamic. Son. Dynamic. It's the dynamic, right? So I say, son, what do you do about that? And he's like, no, we shouldn't do those. And I'm like, good job, boy. And, and I think, oh, pat him on the back, he did it. He, he's just been conditioned by me. To parrot. To parrot, to know what I want. He's going to say what I think, what he thinks I want him to say. And then I walk away thinking, oh, he's got this. So, But unless he chooses that on yeah. his own, yep. he doesn't really have it. Exactly. To know and not to do is to really not to know. Yep. So that's one side of it. Um, the other side, and I'm just going to throw this out there just because it's worth considering. I, our kids have Snapchat and TikTok. They have Instagram. We know 
that they have, now I wouldn't say all of them. We have one son that doesn't have Instagram, does not have Snapchat, does not have TikTok. All of that was his own choice. That was his own choice. Yep. I think influenced by someone he likes as well. But again, choice to not do that. But other kids do have it. Um, we do know. Well, I don't know if Aaliyah does or Amira. Okay, the older ones. We have a we have a strategy here for all this. But ultimately, when they're getting in their higher teens, we start to allow them more and more freedom of choice. Yeah. With tons of warning and, and well, constant... I mean, I was going to get into okay. the the accountability yeah. piece there. Um, but the teaching too, like they, we've talked about this for years. It isn't. I don't because here's the other piece. I don't want some of you to be like, "Oh, my kids need more freedom. I'm gonna let them choose." But you haven't given them the guidance and the tools. It's the foundation. They're going there. to fail, right? We have the foundational yeah. piece in before we're just like, "Yeah, get whatever apps you yeah. want, do whatever you want." Um, but what I'm trying to say is, going back to this idea, we know for one of our sons, he has been approached with inappropriate things on these apps, but one, he has the moral compass in place that he's like, "No." I'm not going to do that. Blocks well, the let's person. be specific. So a, a girl he did not know, a teenage girl he did not know, approached him and offered to send... Um, he was on Instagram, actually, naked, not Snapchat. Naked but. pictures to him, which is very, very common now. Like this this whole sending naked pictures all around is like massively common among youth. And so it happened. Yeah. And so he immediately deleted the message, blocked her, and then we were out of... It's happened a couple times. The first time we were in town, he told us about it. The second time we were out of town, he called me on the phone. It's like, Mom, I just want you to know this happened. I just want to be open with you. Um, this is, you know, this was the situation. So what I'm trying to share here. And how you react to that as parents. Okay, that's one piece of it. Is huge. How you react. Because you could freak out and be like, see, I told you this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. Delete, Delete the that app. Crap. You, you can't use it anymore. get all over him and he's like, what? I, I did the right thing. Exactly, I did the right thing. So you have to respond with like, way to go, like good job, you did the right thing, I'm so proud of you, that was great. And I, you don't wanna delete that, like that was, a, that was a good learning experience. He was able to practice making the right choice and you reinforced that that was the right choice. And so now, instead of avoiding bad things happening in the world, you've strengthened his integrity his virtue for him to be able to make good choices in the face of bad things yeah. in the world now you you might you might say hey because that happened or if it's happening are, are you getting real value from this is this is this a, an app you want to keep and some some of your children may say you know what no yeah and, and that could even be prevented like this i would walk through you know some of these apps that are pretty questionable and and very often being used for just trash, garbage, and talk through. And it's like this is the general use of it. Um, what what benefit? What value you're going to get out of it? And, and let them honestly answer it, and don't you know? Don't make them parrot what you would say. Let them think through it. And a lot of them they'll make the right decision if they understand it. They're like, you know what? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm tempted because it's really social, and all my friends are on there. All oh, lots of people on there, and so many funny things to watch. And this, I'm like, okay, well, who do you want to be? Is that helping you become that person? And and they'll they'll be honest. They'll be like, you know, it's fun, it's silly, it's entertainment, but honestly, it's not helping me reach my dreams. So, no, you're right. That would be a waste of time. And so they they choose it on their own. But if I'm like, son, that's bad. Delete it. Never get on there. 
he's going to naturally be like, oh, I think I want to get on there. I'm going to sneak around dad. Yeah. So ultimately, like, yes, they need to make the decision on their own. It needs to be their choice not to do it. Now, I do want to say on the other side, sometimes some of the reasons you were mentioning aren't necessarily bad. Maybe they're using it just to stay connected with their friends. Because I know, you know, in the case of some of our kids, we have a very unique lifestyle where we our friends are all over the globe, and so sometimes they're using those apps just to connect with certain friends, and that's the reason they're, they're doing it. So again, getting down to that underlying cause, like why are they on there? Mm-hmm. If they are actually, if you ask them, you know, if you have this relationship of trust and you're like, why are you getting on Snapchat? And they're like, oh, well, naked pictures. Okay, that's obviously a concern. <laughs> that's a very different thing than, hey, my best friend who lives out of state is on it, and that's how we, stay connected Mm -hmm. so the underlying reason does matter and it's worth again diving into the complexity of of parenting (laughs) you have to get into the complexity of what it means to be a human being Mm -hmm. and all the needs we have right and so if some of those needs aren't being met if like often one of the needs that isn't being met is your kids don't have this great story they're living they're not being the hero of their own journey. They're not living some great adventure that's fulfilling and satisfying and meaningful. They just have this lame existence. Mm-hmm. Well, no wonder they're getting on there. They're actually trying to escape reality mm-hmm. because reality sucks. And and I'm going to be totally honest. That's on you, man. As a parent, that's on you. If, you're, if your life is so lame your kids want to escape it or they're just constantly seeking this, this hit, and they're, dopamine hit. They're, 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 they're seeking chemical yeah. hits. I mean, it's, they're seeking drugs. That's what's happening. It's really what's happening. Physiologically. They're, they're seeking drugs through their own brain pharmacy because they'll get on at night and they're like, ooh, this is fun because it's novelty. Mm-hmm. It's kind of adventure. It's sneaky. Like he's having this little mini adventure. Mm-hmm. I got this old broken phone and I can sneak in here and no one knows it. Mm-hmm. I can get on and the the forbidden things and I can check this out like oh this is awesome right it is an he's, adventure you're making yeah. it sound exciting I know so that's what that has, especially for young men that's, that's what he's happening. doing he's having this adventure mm-hmm. like my goal is to make my kids life so amazing they're like that stuff's stupid along like, why, with why would I play video games when my own life is so awesome yeah along with allowing them to decide and make choices with guidance, whenever we say that, sometimes I think parents believe, do whatever you want, just go ahead. No, that's not what we're saying. Like, you should provide guidance and direction, but ultimately the choice must be theirs. And sometimes they will choose to do things maybe you don't like. Maybe they would choose to download Snapchat and you don't want them to have that. Ultimately, you have to allow that because once they move out, they're going to do that anyways. And it's better for them to practice making mistakes, messing up, all of this while they're under your roof and your protection with the right relationship of trust than it is to wait until, because I've heard parents say that. Well, my house, my rules, when they move out, they can do whatever they want. And that's they what will. you really want them exactly. to do? Honestly? <laughs> like that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Why would you want that? Why would you force and control them so much that you know when they leave it's going to be like this explosion of, behavior that's a recipe for disaster you don't really want the well-being of your child in that case because that's not gonna work out that way and and we turn to practices like that my way or the highway 
I think because of an underlying fear mm-hmm. and incompetence as a parent. Like, I don't know how to really reach and influence right. him, but I can teach my kid, so I'm going to resort to force. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know what to do if my son was exposed to pornography, so I'm just going to make sure it never happens. And guess what? It does. Especially nowadays. It's unavoidable. Yeah. I don't and, know. And it's almost like the more you try to fight it and force it, you, you might get lucky sometimes and some of your kids don't, but so often it backfires big time. I've seen this so many times. Mm-hmm. And so, I, we're, and we're not, don't misunderstand us. We are not saying to throw off the rules and the strategies. We're saying they must be built on a foundation of development, of the, the moral compass, of the understanding. The child understands that every choice is an, making them who they're going to become. Mm-hmm. Like, it's on you, child. Like, you you make those decisions, this is going to affect your life. So you need to know what kind of life you want to live and, and who you want to be as a person and then make those decisions. And so if, and, and again, they're not going to make always the best decisions because they're right. trying to figure it out. So I have a son, you know, we get really clear about that. And that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of effort. You telling them doesn't mean they understand it. Yeah. It, that doesn't mean they get it. So you, you're going to work on that all the time. But if I have a son or daughter comes back and says, yeah, dad, I, I still want to have some app. And, and I think it's garbage, but they want to try it. Then I'm going to say, well, so we, we know, I'm going to ask them, like, what kind of bad things, what's the potential danger there of having yeah. it? We're going to talk through it. And they're like, yeah, I've heard that there's a lot of naked pictures, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, cool. Would, would you be okay if we have total transparency with this app? Like, I get a look at it any time. You show me what's happening. We talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe you set up guys like that. Like, okay, and if you're going to choose it, then I want to be able to see everything that happens to make sure there's transparency here. Right. And and it's not going to be one-sided. On this point, I want to really emphasize this. We don't go to them and say, I don't trust you, so there needs to be transparency. We go to them and say, hey, did you guys know that mom and I have total transparency? She can access any of my stuff and I can access her stuff. And it's not that I don't trust her. It's that we realize... There's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of garbage. And if we're going to choose to use devices or tools or instruments, right, we're going to have this transparency to help each other be our best selves. And because to prove that we have nothing to hide. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, which, okay, I'm glad you said that. Because if a child wants to hide something, there's a, we circle back to how I started. What's the underlying cause of the underlying problem? Right. If they want to hide something, why would they want to hide it? Mm-hmm. If they're lying to you, Who has made them afraid to tell the truth? Like, what is the motive of a child that wants to keep something from a parent? There's a lot there. Well, there's a ton there. (laughs) But what I want to talk about is this idea then of the accountability piece, right? Because, first of all, you're having that conversation. You're saying, okay, great, you're going to have this app. Let's talk about it. What's... What, what could you potentially do if X, Y, and Z happens? Talking through those ideas, right? And then allowing them to practice, knowing that they are going to make mistakes. And we have had this happen with our kids where we're like, okay, go ahead. You can, you can try this game. You can try this app. You can do this thing. And then they'll spend the whole day on it, right? Wasting their entire day. Okay, great. That's an opportunity for learning. And you circle back with having a conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. you spent the entire day playing this game yep. or doing this thing. 
don't How don't do assume don't assume that they will process it on their own. Right. You have to very tactfully process it with them, asking questions. How do you feel about that? And if they're honest with you, and you built this relationship. We've been talking about this whole podcast. If you built that relationship, they'll be like, oh, "It was fun, but I kind of feel like crap because I wasted all that time when I could have been doing something more productive." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Yeah, good reminder." Yeah. And just, I mean, strategy logistics on doing this, one way is just tracking using this. I know on an iPhone or an iPad, they have the screen time. It's really easy. Which yeah. tracks how much time is spent on the device and how much time is spent on each app. And yeah. there was a time period when we were going through this training of our own kids where every week everyone read out the screen time on their device. Even including mom and dad, you know, I, this is how much time I spent this week on my device. This is how many hours per day. This is my most used apps. Um, and you're just providing this accountability because having access to these things doesn't mean all you want with no accountability to anyone. Right. That's not what it means. We're saying this can be an opportunity for them to practice being accountable and responsible. Yep. So I think fundamentally on this, I would spend a lot of time talking with each child, like, why is it they want that? What's the purpose of that thing? What's your purpose with that thing? Is this helping you become who you want to be? What choice do you want to make about that? Exactly. And, and leaving it open, like, you don't have anything to hide from me. Like, okay, what? And, and again, you got to get to the bottom of this. And if you don't know, if you don't understand what's happening or why or why they just feel this need or draw to it, like you better figure that stuff out. Right, because that's more important than the fact that it's actually happening. Exactly. The fact that they're downloading the apps is less important than why they're downloading yep. the apps. It's a symptom of a problem. Exactly. And you think it is the problem. Like it's not. It's not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. So right. that's so and, important. And the same with... Um, you know, using the device after hours or sneaking one. Ultimately, if they're not choosing that, yeah, I need to turn this in or I need to turn this off because that's important for my brain development and my sleep and all these other things, they need to be understanding the underlying yep. reasons for why you're doing that so that that's something they choose on their own yep. because we go back to the same issue. If they don't, if they don't practice doing that, if they don't practice actually turning off their own device at night, soon as they move out, they're not going to turn it off. They're not going to have practiced doing that thing. And so it's going to be very difficult for them to do when they're not being monitored by mom. And they will be like 95 to 99% exactly. of right. young adults are out there, like horrible sleep habits, horrible device mm -hmm. use habits. And it's tanking their lives and their results and their health. And, and they're struggling. Mm-hmm. The majority of, and it's a recipe, it isn't like some new phenomenon. It's a recipe that's it's happening, and we don't want our kids falling into that same recipe that just doesn't work. Right. Now um, that, oh, go ahead. <laughs> now that being said, again, it's not anything goes is okay. Right. Like there should be a conversation about that. There should be a follow up. What time did you go to bed? What time did you turn off your device? You know, not to get after them and shake your finger, but to have a conversation. Oh, okay, how did you feel about that? Do you when think you that was good? Do, should you turn it off earlier? Exactly. How did you sleep? Do you need to revisit your original decision? Right. And so when we do it, if we if they say, yeah, I want to go ahead and do that, we, they and they have a clear reason, they can they can easily prove it to themselves and to us that they have a legitimate reason for doing it. Then we got to make sure they 
clearly understand the consequences, what their behaviors will be, what they commit to. Mm-hmm. Again, you're not just giving them free reign. Like, oh, okay, you got this. Like, okay, let's let's walk through this. We're training you how to make decisions. We're training mm-hmm. you how to think. So if you're going to go ahead and do this, and this is what I would do myself, so I, I expect my children to do the same, of like, okay, what are the boundaries I'm going to set? Mm-hmm. What are the commitments I'm going to make? And if I fail to keep my commitments, what's the consequence? Mm-hmm. And so then we might say, okay, you can use it. If you violate it, you know, this way, you don't keep the commitment you're making to yourself right now, then uh, what's the consequence? And then they're like, okay, yeah, I, I got to start turning. If I don't turn it off at a good hour or I'm on something I shouldn't be on, I'm going to start giving it back to you. And they come up with a consequence. Mm-hmm. They choose it. They choose their commitment and they choose their consequence. And then you're like, hey, yeah, you, Mary, you asked me, to, I'm going to help you with that because you made some poor choices. We'll visit this again later. Mm-hmm. And so it's this progressive growth, not mm-hmm. good luck with that kid. Right. Progressive and practiced by them instead of enforced by you. So do we turn in all devices? Do we turn off the Wi-Fi? Do we at our house or? Well, I'm just saying. (laughs) No, we don't right now. In (laughs) practice. No, we don't right now. Have we before? Yes. Yes, But it wasn't wasn't as a punishment. It wasn't as prevention. It wasn't to control. We taught our children, and we still do, there needs to be time away from screens. There has to be. And, and if there's too much screen time for whatever, even for good reasons, mm-hmm. you start losing yeah. touch of, of the outside world and life, and your whole life becomes virtual. Mm-hmm. And as we're going into the future with a lot of uh, AR coming out, and the metaverse, that's, that's going to be more and more of a problem. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be more insistent that we all decide as a family, like, hey, what do you guys say? We, we pick some hours when there's no, no screens. And maybe that's we flip off the Wi-Fi, or it might even be a day every week. Might just say, "Hey, let's." What do you say on Saturdays? With with a few exceptions, what do you say on Saturdays? We we kick that off, and we just live without screens. And some are like, "We can't live without screens. It's impossible." (laughs) Again, there's principles here. So if there's an underlying principle behind it all. I don't know. Some of you, you might even want to turn off your Wi-Fi at night because of what it's doing to your brain with the waves and the house that's a whole different or for topic. your own benefit or yeah for your own benefit if you're on there okay here's here's what i suspect is happening in a lot of homes parents are like get off those screens get off those devices don't do that and then you crawl into bed and scroll and scroll and scroll or watch some netflix and scroll some more and, mm-hmm. and you're setting a really bad example of yeah. how to use in a lot of ways i don't ask my kids to do things that I'm not willing to do as well. Now, that being said, there is a difference in age. And like I tell my 11 year old, he's like, you're on the screen a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working. This is what I'm doing. Let me show you what that I do. That doesn't mean you should be it on as much as I am because you're a child and your job is to learn and to play and to do these other things. So there are definitely clear differences, but kids are smart. Teens are smart. If they can't see that there is a real a real difference there, not just one you made up because I'm the adult and I said so. Um, they're not going to fall for it, and so, so you're it has on to be Facebook legit. consuming. Well, they want to be on TikTok or Snapchat consuming. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, yeah, again, you're modeling, right? Right. You're you're leading out. Ooh, that's good. I love this stuff. So, who do you want to be? Who do you want your kids to be? 
what's the fundamental underlying problem and, and how can you help them cultivate that moral compass so as soon as possible and this is all dependent on maturity as soon as possible they are making their own choices on as many things as possible exactly can you trust so our 16 year old just kind of moved out because he went to get a long-term job because he's saving up money to um to go climb kilimanjaro with me and it's a farm job yeah it's a farm so he's working hard and the kid has a great attitude and great work ethic i trust him completely and, and i'm like yeah go ahead go i know i know you'll be an asset to whoever you interact with mm -hmm. and we and don't he has his own device yep but we're not worried that he's going to be sneaking apps or downloading things because he's allowed to do whatever he would do there here. So, okay, this is cool. So you're, my 16-year-old just moved out, and he has total freedom to do all this stuff. He doesn't have to sneak, and he, he never really has had to sneak because we, we don't operate like that. So he's on his own for a few months, mm -hmm. essentially. and With this device. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So and it, it, it's going to be the same Man, it'll be even easier than when he's 18 or 19 and is like, hey, I'm out. Off mm -hmm. to see the world. I'm like, you got it, bro. Let's go. Because we've trained and, and prepared. And he's been practicing yep. making decisions about device usage and time usage since he was young. Yep. So, yeah, that's ideally what you want. You want them to be making these decisions on their own because they understand the principles and they know who they want to be. Exactly. That's the answer to yep. this the problem. Not... How do I control them and keep them from doing the things I don't want them to do? Exactly. Yeah. So, dear listener, can you trust your, let's say, teens, later teens? Could you trust them right now on their own? And if the answer is I don't know or no, you've got your work cut out for you. That's the underlying and problem. That's the target. So be strategic. I'll just start thinking. It's like, oh, I'm not sure I would or if you're like, no, <laughs> I can't even trust him right now when I got my thumb on him. That's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And so your goal then, your objective is, what do I need to do to get this child, get myself and this child into this space where I could trust them completely mm -hmm. and, and do whatever you have to do to get them there? I, I guess I'm holding that up as a vision, as a target, as an objective. Exactly. And that starts by allowing them to practice making their own decisions. We feel like that's not how it goes. You keep saying that, and every time you say that, and I totally agree with you, uh -huh. but every time you say that, I'm like, oh, babe, but that only works <laughs> if you've done all the other stuff. If you, if you, you know, you keep hearing, Rachel is emphatic about this. You must let your kids practice making decisions. And I'm like, yes, but mm -hmm. that only works if if you have the relationship and if you've taught them and they have a moral compass and you've showed them how to practice and you've given them all the boundaries and you've helped them think through possible dangers and situations, like if you've done all this work, then that works. Yes. But if you haven't done the work and you're like, hey, let your kids practice and parents are like, all right, kids, time to practice make decisions and yes. it all fell apart. You dennings are full of it. <laughs> But on the other side, what you just laid out there, if everyone waits for that, they'll never let their kids practice yep. making decisions. Yep. And then, they'll be then like, the disaster I don't have, will happen when they move out. I don't have any, I don't have all of that in place that Greg said. I don't have everything, all the pieces there, so I can't let them practice. So, yes, you're right. But at the same time, if you allow them to start practicing now, they're going to mess up. Yep. That's okay. Because that's part of the process. 
you say you let them go pick the music they want and so they pick some rap song with explicit lyrics okay now you have something to work with a very specific thing you have a conversation that you can have and you can say to your kid hey Pull up this those is lyrics. this is the, these are the lyrics. Let's read them out loud for family discussion. You know, yeah. see how that goes. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You actually have something to work with, and now your kid, instead of trying to sneak or trying to rebel, they're going to be thoughtful and be like, "Hmm, what do these lyrics say? And why why do I like them? And why would I listen to this? And is this really who I want to be?" And if they dismiss the lyrics, so oh, I don't even listen to the lyrics. I'm just listening to music. You got to teach them what happens neurologically. You find a quote or a book when you, or when you you just hear it again and again and again and again and again, it gets implanted in your subconscious and becomes literally becomes a neural pathway right. inside so of then, your brain. So then you get you to want geek this out crap on in that. Your head? You get to geek out on that and go to your research and find all the stuff that talks about this kind of neuroassociative condition conditioning. You this now it's getting interesting. Yeah. Now this is getting exciting, and your kids are like, "Wow, okay, this is cool. I didn't know about." All of this and then cool you stuff. pull up a video of a neural pathway actually happening. We have a video of it now. You get this neural pathway and boom, and you show them that, and you're like, okay, that's that song. And the more you repeat it, the more it gets wrapped and becomes this pathway and gets strengthened. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, now that song, you keep listening to it, and bam, again and again and again. Now you have this neural highway in your head of this trash. Mm-hmm. Do you want that bouncing around your head? Because then you talk about... The connection between thoughts and behavior and mm-hmm. actions and outcomes in your life. You can get into all kinds of topics awesome. just by letting your kid <laughs> choose to listen to their own music. So you have to start somewhere. You have to practice and let them And practice. I guess I think this gets scary because a parent can be like, well, what if they start choosing this bad path and start heading down that? Mm-hmm. And you as a parent have to have the skills and the competence and the willingness and the willingness to intervene yep intervene call it intervention. effectively mm-hmm. you've got to do it effectively because if you do it wrong it'll backfire yes and so you have to do it effectively and you might be like oh, i don't have that like well that's not an option not having it is not an option you parent <laughs> <laughs> this is where i grabbed the front of your shirt and like that's not an option you have kids you have to save so your kid figure it out Figure out how to do that effectively. Because here's the thing, and we've heard this before again, especially with the music. It's a great example because parents are like, well, then my kid just listens to all this dark music and then it just makes them more depressed and this and that. Yeah, you're right. Because music is powerful and it will have that effect. But if your child continues to listen to that kind of music, there's a deeper underlying problem. The music is no longer the problem. The music now becomes the symptom of something else that's going on. So now you go deeper and you deal with that issue. What is causing that? Maybe it's the, their thinking, their thought patterns. And maybe, like, because we've heard this before in our research, maybe the thought patterns are being caused by the food they're eating. Yep. Or the friends they have. Or, or the, the friends the, that the they have. associations they're keeping or what they're consuming online. You're like, oh, there's the problem. Your input sucks. It's so dark and it's well, leading to this dark expression. Yes. I guess in this case, though, I want to emphasize the food part because we think, well, yeah, obviously the friends or the music, the music is contributing to the dark thoughts. But just because the research we did, or not we did, we heard from Dr. Amen when he talked about how one man was having suicidal thoughts because of corn. Like he had this adverse reaction to corn that caused him to have 
dark suicidal thoughts. And you would think, well, that, how, that wouldn't be related. How is that a thing? But when you dig deeper and you're like, wow, maybe it's my kid's diet that is causing the problem that causes them to listen to dark music that causes, you know, it's like the spiral that's going out of control. But if you never dig deeper and you just focus on the music and you're like, I'm going to control their music because it's dark, you're not actually solving the underlying problem. You just made me think of a couple of instances I want to share. One was a chronic lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. This individual that I work with was not sleeping well, and it that will quickly lead yeah. to some really intense psychological trouble. Mm -hmm. And so it might be coming out too, like maybe maybe your you or your mm -hmm. youth is not sleeping well, and they might be sleeping through the night, but not sleeping well. Yeah. In fact, I had another client just went and did a test and found out he's got sleep apnea. He's like, he, he was in bed seven or eight hours every night, but waking up exhausted. Mm. He's like, what is off? I'm like, are you sleeping? I'm like, I think so. He went and had some tests done. He's like, he was never getting into deep sleep. Mm -hmm. Never hitting rim. Yeah. So every night he's just tossing and tossing and turning, never getting the deep recovery. And then another instance where there was a problem and, and uh, this gentleman thought, you know, I, I'm going to try some CBD to... Help him sleep. Help me sleep, settle down, just, just kind of chillax things, right? As soon as he took it, he had um, some ideation about suicide mm -hmm. and, and violent, violent things. And so, again, what you're saying is important. I'm emphasizing this because for one guy it was corn. For another people, it's, uh, I've talked, like people that have um, artificial flavorings or Yeah, uh, like color, red number 40. Yeah, uh, food coloring, whatever. Like any, any of this artificial stuff can trigger something. So you might be like, man, I have a kid with serious behavioral problems or this problem. They've always mm -hmm. been like that. Well, look, look at their food very specifically. Well, look deeper yeah. is what I want to say. Yeah. Because, again, if we zoom out again to this question, well, my kid's sneaking the phones and the apps. What do I do about it? We want to just solve the problem. We want to do symptom management. Stop them sneaking the apps. Stop, stop them sneaking the phone. But that's not the right approach because ultimately you want to dig deeper. What's causing that? Yeah. And then what's causing that? And that what's causing that? And if you get down to the underlying causes and you build your foundation from there, then you don't have to worry about these things up at the top, the apps and the phones and the sneaking, because they don't happen or they're dealt with in a way that's appropriate right. because you have that foundation in place because you are able to solve the real underlying issue exactly by digging deep so we have to look at these as opportunities to dig deeper what is causing this behavior yep. which requires us to have a broader understanding yes of have lots of things lots psychology of things. physiology <laughs> what does it mean i could to, go on what does it mean to be a parent yeah. to be a great student of many things Absolutely. You have to be. There, there's no way around it. Yeah. So that's good. Okay. That's a good segue we, into this next problem. Well, I was going to ask if we're going to answer this question now. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, because it's or a good lead. Or do it next like, time because we have been going on a long time, but we can we can keep going. Let's just hit it. No, okay. Let's hit it. And so it's, again, what's you step back and say, what's, what's the underlying cause of the issue? And this one um, I think is readily apparent to men but not always readily apparent to mothers. <laughs> yes, okay. So this one, Greg was actually hesitant to discuss, but we've decided we're going to go ahead and do it because it's related to sex drive in teenage boys. Now, we've talked a lot about, a lot about sex 
um, in marriage. And so we received a question saying, okay, as a parent, how do you guide them, specifically teenage boys, so they can handle their urges in a healthy manner? How do you educate them so they don't fall prey to the use of pornography? What are the best ways to support them instead of shaming them for having these normal desires? Our society is so full of trashy messages about sex, masturbation, pornography, they honestly worry about the future of these young men. Yes, with good reason. With good reason, and absolutely. If, if there's not, if this isn't being taught and understood and guided, mentored through this, uh, it's it, it'll be a disaster. And ugh, I've been in enough locker rooms and <laughs> in events with men, and been in places where they let down their guard and they talk about their approaches. It's a problem. It's a very, very prevalent problem, and do not for a second in your, this is where the rants come in, <laughs> in your stinking little bubble where you think you're sheltered by your little church group or your little corner of the world where evil never happens. Don't you dare for a second think this isn't happening all around you, because it is. Even in the best groups, they're finding 75% of boys and men are regularly looking at porn. So you're out of your stinking mind and naivete if you think this isn't happening. It's a problem. And so, you, you, well, that won't happen in my world because our little bubble's safe. I'm like, no, it's not. So this has to be addressed. Yep, it has absolutely. to be understood and it has to be addressed. And, pff, that, that's enough for multiple podcasts right there to understand it and address it <laughs> but let's let's touch let's, on it here if, we, if we need if we need to go farther we can but okay sex drive is is real and it's powerful I can't, maybe i say this for the benefit of moms um it's intense mm -hmm. and it starts as early as 11 or 12 depending yeah. on the child depending on the the boy they, they start having erections they start noticing girl all of a sudden you know they were like interested in dinosaurs and then they're like interested in babes and <laughs> like it just it just switches mm -hmm. and it and it it becomes intense now the intensity level is different for each person but but many men like it's intense mm -hmm. it's really intense and and and, you, and it's 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 built into you it's evolutionary it's, it's instinctive it's not that your son's a pervert right that's what I was actually going to say. Like, it, it's automatic. It's, to me, I think the best comparison I think of is hunger. Yeah. It's not like you control your hunger. You're not, it's not like you are a bad person if you're hungry. Like, you just get hungry. Yep. So it's an automatic function of the body yep. that just operates. It just is. So and this I is, love how we she... Gotta, we got to emphasize this. This is not our opinion. This, this is, is like scientific science. fact. Like, a, a male body, a healthy male body wants sex like it wants food yeah like it doesn't make them bad or wrong and in fact the sex drive is not bad or wrong it's a wonderful well beautiful that's thing, what like i was saying i about. love how she mentions this like how do you support them instead of shaming them for having these normal desires right. they are normal desires right. yep. it's totally normal now it can be acted out in abnormal ways unhealthy ways just like eating can be acted out in abnormal or unhealthy ways you can eat in a way that's bad for you and that's unhealthy and like hurts your hurts you hurts your relationships all of that so same thing with sex same thing with these urges um so boundaries are 
critical. Having yeah, I think that's a good point. Having clear boundaries are important, not just with sex, with everything, with food. Yep. Like you need to have this idea, this standard of what you want, what you're working for, and who you want to be. So ultimately, I think it comes down to that. Now, when you're trying to teach teenagers about sex, I think that's the basic foundation of how to do that. One, teaching that it's normal. Two, helping them get a vision of what they want, right? Again, and we're not just talking who do you want yeah, to be? And who you want to be. Not just like, oh, you want to have sex, but what do you actually want long term, right? What what kind of relationships do you want to have? What kind of do you want to have a family? All those types of things. And in order to do that, you need to make choices now that will help you reach those outcomes. Because the sex drive isn't just about having sex right when you want it. It's about creating, ultimately, biologically, it's about reproducing yep. the species, right? And creating life. And it, I think it's also very much about connection. Yep. It's very much a, a key ingredient of connection between men and women. So ultimately, sex is about connecting and you shouldn't just be connecting with anyone in any right. anywhere because anytime. particularly that level of connection comes with a massive level of commitment or at least Absolutely. it should and, and and yeah you talk through that and help understand so yes and so you're teaching you know this the law of chastity or or some moral code but un, get get down to it like why what is it why mean? have that exactly. why have that like why do you, why should you care because some teenage boys are gonna want to have sex with every hot girl they see. They're just be like, "Whoa, she's a babe. She's a babe. Oh yeah." And and you, sh if you've never heard a locker room with teenage boys, I hope you never have to be subjected <laughs> to that. But they are talking openly about all the things they blah 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 whatever. No boundaries, no guidelines. So you, that's what's happening in this unrained, unfiltered, uncontrolled teenage hormone explosion mm -hmm. and don't you dare assume it's not happening in good kids either because it is it's just it's in them so then channel it put boundaries on it talk about it help them understand and explain because why it's going to come with so much force and, and i don't know i think i think most of the men will understand this i don't know if many of the moms will it will come with so much force it almost feels like it's controlling you Mm -hmm. I know it makes you sound like a victim and the natural man and you're carnal and devilish and horrible, but it just comes with so much force. And if directed, it's actually a, a wonderful and beautiful thing. Well, but if not directed, this kid's not going to know what to do with it. And when it hits him with that much force, I promise you, and as he gets older, it comes stronger. And so you get a kid that's 17, 18, 19, early 20s, it's going to hit with so much force. He has to have such strength in his moral compass or the force will overpower yeah and i i think it's interesting um talking about this because especially for teenagers unless they do have this very strong vision of what it is that they want and and obviously we're kind of idealists here and we're speaking in idealistic ways but if you paint this vision of this relationship that they could have with this true love that they adore yes. and who adores them back. And you're like, that's what you're working for. You're working to create that. And you need to be the kind of person and make the kind of decisions that are gonna help you get there. You don't yeah. wanna just be with anyone at any time because ultimately 
isn't this what you want? This beautiful relationship that's deep and intimate and connected. That, I think, evolutionary, on an evolutionary level and I think a spiritual level, that is what the sex drive is driving you towards. Yes. It's building to help you find and connect that person that you want to be with. Some amazing, amazing relationship. And Ooh. I guess... Okay, but, uh, <laughs> well, here we I go just, again. I know. But are you, as parents... I, <laughs> well, okay, you go ahead. I got a, <laughs> I'm sorry. I got a couple things. I know. I just want to say I feel like we can say that and we can speak in this idealistic way because we do have that. Yes. You and I have that relationship, and we are modeling for the, our children that relationship every single day. So our kids... So they know what they're working for. Yep. They, they see it. They want it. They long for it. Absolutely. And they know it's possible. And that's where I was about to start ranting. Like, are you showing that to your kids? Or are they looking at you and like, oh, I'm not so sure I like marriage. I don't know if um, I want to get married. Hooking up not, is the better option. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I think I'll go look at some pornography and masturbate because like... Well, you guys got going doesn't look very <laughs> no appealing. Thanks. You see what I'm saying? And that's, and I'm being that's the real blunt. thing. And if we want to get to the underlying cause of why why is pornography an issue? Why is masturbation an issue? It's be, uh, it's it's like Jordan Peterson says about abortion. Like the real issue isn't abortion. The reason abortion is a problem is because relationships between men and women are off. Yep. Same thing with pornography. Same thing with masturbation. The reason that's a thing is because relationships between men and women are off. Yeah. So if and under, our youth, understanding yourself is off and understanding yeah, the drive and the dynamics, complex. all of it, it's off. So if our youth could see constant examples of an amazing marriage that was something they wanted to have, guess what? Abortion's not going to be as big a problem. Pornography's not going to be as big a problem. And masturbation's not going to be a problem because... They know what they're working for. And, and I know but, this sounds idealistic and people are going to be like, ah. No, but it's not. so true and so powerful. And when you see what's possible, then it's so easy to see how pornography masturbation is just a cheap, pathetic substitute for right. the real thing. Absolutely. It, it is so pathetic and so low. But if you don't know what's possible, you don't know what you You've want. Never seen it. Then, then it seems kind of nice. Like, hey, this is kind of nice. And I, I see some hot girl, whatever, and then I can just masturbate. Ah, oh, this is better. It's just, it's so cheap and low. But you have to have the contrast, and you have yeah. to have that desire, and you have to have this idea. And then, then you need to get into the deep psychology of it all and the science behind it all. That how viewing pornography regularly will literally warp your perspective well, of women and your potential future marriage. So looking at porn as a teen will literally undoes your relationships. There's there's tons of research on a, a site called uh, Fight the New Drug. Tons of resources well, on there. But you've got to understand, because you might look at it and be like, well, what's the big deal? Like they're drawn, they, they look at pretty girls, whatever, it's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. Well, it's back to the um, neuro... Neurological uh, 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 processes and the wiring in your <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, you're making neurological connections yep. in your brain and you're reinforcing them with certain ideas. And, and that you get warped. It literally alters the way that you think and the way you view the world. That's ultimately why it becomes dangerous because it is warping how you view things yep. and your potentiality for relationships. One, one simple example, just so we can really get into the, the meat of this, is if a kid watches these porn things then that is his perception of what sex is like. So then he gets married and his wife is not 
some weird porn star thing and he's like what's what's this and, <laughs> and she's like what the heck is that what are you doing and, and then right from the get-go mm-hmm. they have problems because perceptions are so far gone and 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 you're disconnected from reality yeah because like, life is not a porn yeah it's not a porn, <laughs> porn movie or whatever like it's so mess and then yeah oh man i could i could go on about this and rant about it but it's it's a real problem and so it needs to be addressed now it, it's a very common problem and don't misunderstand me, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. Um, it's a big, big issue. But we're holding up an ideal. Yes, and absolutely. We're, we're not shaming. We, we help people understand and then take all that drive and that force and guide it in the right direction to the real thing. Because the real thing's always the best thing. Right. I agree 100%. The real thing is the best thing. And very often, why people are accepting the substitutes is because they don't know the real thing is right. possible. They honestly have never seen it. So even okay, I'm gonna say this. Even in many marriages where good yeah. men are they don't hardly have sex at all. They're married men. And they hardly ever have sex. Like what? No man. <laughs> and so a lot of good married men turn to porn because this drive is still there. It doesn't go away. Men are visually driven. They have a and sex drive. And they're shamed for it. And they're shamed for it. And I'm not, I'm not excusing their behavior. I'm not just. I'm just saying there's a driving force for it. There's contributing factors. There's contributing factors. And and if you if a married man that doesn't make love to the woman he's married to his wife almost as often as he would like, <laughs> then. <laughs> There's a problem. It's a conflict. And, and, and this are, is complicated. I know. And people are going to be like, Craig, that's yeah. just extreme. You're, that's just too much. And for that, we just have to say, please go listen to all the other yeah. podcasts where yeah. we've discussed this married sex in detail, yeah. um, explaining why what you just proposed is not as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing. But ultimately, back to this. Yes, I, I guess we'll just be straightforward here. Our ideals are high. They are unique. We do teach abstinence and we do teach no masturbation. Yeah. And we realize that that... And no porn. And no porn, exactly. Um, we realize that that's not necessarily obtainable for all people or all situations. But in an ideal situation, I don't see... The research I've done, on, I don't think that that's not an impossibility. And I do believe that that's not... It's not based on just religious values because that's not... It's, it's Obviously, there's so a connection, backed. but I think psychologically, yep. that's a sound practice. Yep. And the reason why... And sociologically. I mean, yeah. there's tons of research on this. Yes. The reason why is because, again, you're using a very natural, very normal drive, and you're directing it towards creating this ideal, which is a, a long-term relationship yep. with someone. And if you can use that, you're more likely to achieve that. Whereas if you waste that drive in masturbation or in casual sex, you're losing some of that energy that drives you towards yes. this future ideal see, that you're trying to create. Yes, and I can see this visually where mm-hmm. you, you take something normal and natural and you're, when you make poor choices, you're diverting it to something that is unnormal and unnatural. Or less or ideal, if nothing else. Yeah, but it's because it's a cheap substitute and, and nowhere like this drive to like, just go around cheap sex wherever without any consequences, without any connection, without any relationships. And, and we don't have this inherent sex drive that we're born with for masturbation. 
<laughs> right. And, and like you weren't <laughs> born with that because every man was meant to masturbate. Right. Like that's not why the driving force is there. Exactly. So it is abnormal and unnatural, mm -hmm. right? So I love what you're saying. Like use all that force, all that drive energy to get what you want mm -hmm. instead of some immediate gratification. Right. Exactly. You're robbing yourself. Now it's it's harder, obviously. It's more challenging. It's more self-denial, self-control. But in the long run, I think that's the better path. It's um, I'm reading the Dhammapada right now, and he talks about the two paths. Like you can choose immediate gratification and pleasure, which ultimately leads to suffering, yeah. or you can choose the harder path, which includes self-control and, and denial. Sometimes begins with suffering. Oh, absolutely, a different kind of suffering. But ultimately leads to, he says, nirvana or lasting happiness. I think it's exactly the same thing. Oh, perfect, Rachel. Yeah. So some self-denial, some self-discipline, some you'll, you'll actually experience suffering. some suffering, some, some pain. physical pain for, for not having this regular outlet, and for disciplining and putting boundaries and borders and reining in and controlling this drive and directing it at what you want. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of suffering in, in the beginning, I one time went 23 years without sex. It was the hardest was time of your life. <laughs> hardest time. And then I got married at 23 and, <laughs> and it got better. Um, <laughs> but, but if you'll direct it towards what you want, then it leads to what he calls this nirvana. It's like, yes. Exactly. But if you don't, if you're like, no, this, I can't, no, I'm over here, blah, 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 mm -hmm. abnormal and, and unnatural, and you're, or just cheap substitutes even. Yeah. You just keep going that way, then you're cheating yourself. Well, I'm even thinking of this now on like a metaphysical level when you're talking about it. Because it is actually a real energy. Yeah. It is energy. Sex drive is energy. And if you direct it towards what you want, which is this ideal relationship, because... And success. Because you want to win a woman. Like yeah. this this uh -huh. is in natural nature. You're talking nature. about hierarchies yes. now. And, yeah. yeah. So this drive of like, if I want a great woman, I have to earn her respect I have to win her right so I've mm -hmm. got to be successful I, and, and there's this drive in that so yeah. inherent in the sex drive is this desire to succeed so I can attract the woman it's like which, those, those birds that make the nests right and the male makes the nest and whichever nest she likes best she chooses and they're exactly. the partner for the year so we're doing that right and the sex drive does that but if I'm just dumping it out here and there wasting my energy yeah. and ambition on porn and masturbation and cheap substitutes there goes this driving force. That's, that was being used to help you create the ideal yeah. is now being wasted in, yeah, other things. So it's metaphysically, physiologically, psychologically, biologically. It just, it makes sense yep. to us it's, that you use this drive to help you go towards achieving the ideal. Yep. Sound stuff right there. It's awesome. But it all comes back to building the foundations. Trust character, competence, understanding, mm -hmm. moral compass. Like who do you want to be? And what will it take to be that person? Then it's easy to build out this plan and this vision and to become that person. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this stuff. Love it. Um, you guys, thanks for listening. This is, this is a long one. And it's important. And thanks, thanks for being, for caring, mm -hmm. for caring enough to listen to this. Like you want to be great parents, you want to do a great job, and I'm sure you are doing a great job. Um, so, 
like ask questions and more resources be sure to subscribe to the podcast um, you know come over to extraordinaryfamilylife.com for more resources share this episode you can take a screenshot of it and share it share it on social media um, share it with friends or family or colleagues other people you know that that need to hear this stuff everyone who has kids <laughs> needs to hear this stuff because ultimately you guys what we're doing by raising kids is so complex it is very complex and, and so like you got to be on your toes you got to have skills like you have to be a ninja and that's what I was just thinking I wanted to say because, I mean, ultimately parenting is a skill. It's a skill that you can learn, yep. but most parents don't try to do that. They just try to wing it or figure it out as they go. And if we just take a little more effort and attention like you guys are doing now by listening to this, we can improve our skills, which makes our job so much easier. So and much that's easier. what we and want. You get, you get to a spot where you start to reap the rewards, and we're there now, because our older teens, mm -hmm. and you're starting to move out and doing things, and you're like, booyah, this works, and it's, it makes parent, when you have the skill set, and, and you're, you're working on yourself, and you're doing it well, it makes the job easier, and it makes the outcome that much better, and that much richer, and I, even with some of the reading I was doing this morning with my own uh, morning routine, I, I talked, it was talking about parenting mm -hmm. and how ultimately parenting determines the state and condition and future of this world mm -hmm. i mean think think about on a massive level yeah like poor parenting very poor parenting will create monsters mm -hmm. who become tyrants and terrorists and great parenting beautiful loving open trusting training parenting creates heroes yeah. leaders will save their own life and, and, and many people's lives and, and they'll be heroes in, in a real in the story of the world right and and people of strength and we need a whole society of that mm -hmm. so what you're doing as a parent matters so much never dismiss this don't take it lightly don't don't just see it as something you're just getting through can't wait till this is over like lean into it and be the, the very best parent you can be. Reach upward.